0: What number is this, Jim? Zilch145, instant replay, side two. <laughs> okay, you know I mean? like, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. I know. Zilch.
1: Zilch.
2: You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast.
0: Welcome back to Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts here today. And today we are doing the much-anticipated sequel to Instant Replay Side 1. That's right, Instant Replay Side 2. This episode of Zilch is brought to you by the folks at Wind Down Nashville. That's right, the power couple of John Billings and his lovely wife Amy Billings, who actually runs Wind Down Nashville, She's created this fantastic music and event space boutique wine bar, and it is a joy to go to. Check it out. There's all sorts of cool guitars on display on the walls and a lot of really great pictures of the monkeys, believe it or not. So it's worth just going in there for that. But they also do some cool stuff where they have... People like Sandy Gennaro, who is formerly a member of the Monkees Touring Band, he did a talk there, and I even did a live show there. And coming up, Rick Steiner, if you're a wrestling fan, the wrestler Rick Steiner will be doing an event there, so check it out. But if you just want some great wine, cheese, jams, and a fantastic atmosphere, check out Wine Down Nashville. Tell them Zilch sent you, and you can go to www.windownnashville.com or find them on facebook at forward slash windownnashville. you can wind down as you wind down but before we get into this excellent discussion on instant replay side two here is one of our great announcers the tim powers with great tim powers comes great responsibilities here's tim powers with another public service announcement from zilch
3: you know,
4: monkeys fans come in all shapes and sizes, and religions, all genders, races, all political beliefs, all ages, and all ethnicities, and all sexual orientations. Their favorite song might be Auntie's Municipal Court, or they might wake up every morning to The Day We Fall In Love. They might have watched the show in the 60s, or they might have discovered the Monkees just last week. All fans are welcome at Zilch Nation, as long as they're welcoming to their fellow fans in return. I'm Tim Powers, part of the Zilch staff, and I'm too busy to put anybody down.
0: I knew this was going to be a controversial episode of Zilch when I heard this. He had some huge ones to put that out there
5: on record, you know, under <laughs> the monkey's Banner.
6: <laughs> he had some huge
5: ones. <laughs>
0: That's right, somebody's got some big ones. So <laughs> without further ado, here is Jeff Hewlett, Jeff Geringer, David Ghosty-Wills, and Melinda Gildart to discuss Instant Replay Side 2.
2: So I'll do the standard three count, and we will start in three two one welcome back to zilch your monkeys podcast and we're back with another musical round table and on this episode we will be covering side two of instant replay and of course once again we're back with the all-star panel that we always have on these album round tables starting off with our first esteemed panelist mr jeff geringer my god, I've never been called esteemed in my life. Thank you. You're very welcome. always a pleasure to have you here. Second seat, we have the one and only Melinda Gildart. Hey, hey, Zilchers. How's it going? And in the final chair, the great apparition himself, David Ghostie Wills.
6: Be friends with
2: me! Mm. Not if you <laughs> sing like that, I won't. <laughs> All right, we're off to a running start here. Let's give you guys out there in listener land a little recap of what we're talking about here. So, Instant Replay, of course, is the seventh studio album by the Monkees. Of course, you all know that. It issued six months or so after the cancellation of the television series. And, of course, another fact that you guys already know it is the first album without the great Peter Torque. So, um, you know, we're going to go around the horn really quick and talk a little bit about our overall impressions, a little recap of what we felt about Instant Replay to get everybody caught up. Why don't we start off with Mr. Jeff Geringer?
6: Uh, I kind of g- agree with some of the thoughts we've been throwing around here that it, one of the reasons why people probably didn't like this is because it was the first without Peter. Mm. And it kind of meant the end of an era, the end of the monkeys where, you know, they yeah. were going a direction that we were real happy with. Uh, but some of the output, especially on this album, it has one of my all time favorite monkey songs and one of my all-time least favorite monkey songs. So mm. it'll be fun that we'll chat about those as it continues.
2: Yeah, interesting. you know, that's a that's a fantastic insight, by the way. It not necessarily just because Peter himself wasn't on the album, but what that absence represented could have a serious mark on on people's impressions of this album. So um Ghosty, what are your overall impressions? Give us a little bit of a recap.
4: Well, I mean, Peter's not a member of the Monkees at this time, but as we discussed last time, he actually is playing on this record. So if that's anybody's hurdle, get over it, because Peter's actually on this record. And I do wonder, because we were talking about uh, off air, we were talking about how fans view this album poorly, and... Maybe they're confusing this record with The Monkees Present, which is an album I find very problematic. Hmm. And maybe they just group these two records together and then changes on top of it and, and go, oh, you know, I who wants to hear these guys? It was all over after head. Mm-hmm. But I think this is the last truly solid Monkees album.
2: Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Do you agree with that too, Melinda? I
5: absolutely do. Um, as I mentioned last time, this is my fourth favorite monkeys album, and that's because there are some really strong songs on here. I think they have a, a different sound. You know, they're true to their you know historical sound um, at the same time. And yeah, it, it it doesn't necessarily go downhill all the way from there. I'm not a fan of Present, but I think Changes is a relatively good record. But unfortunately, the monkeys didn't put any new material out on there that that they could have with all of these songs that were in the vault that they, you know, that they wrote, that they produced. And maybe people just, they just can't get past the Peter thing, but you know, you're doing yourself a disservice. If you are withholding, <laughs> if you are excluding yourself from the benefit and the joy of listening to instant replay.
2: Yeah. I, I agree completely with all of you on that. This album has a lot of strong points and it definitely is uh, not the, the last good monkeys album after head, so I think it definitely deserves a spot in everybody's uh, monkeys lexicon. I can understand having a chip on your shoulder about the uh, the following albums. But, uh, you know, overall for me, I, I, I appreciate the fact that this album is a sh- return to the short form pop songs. Now, I, I know I've gone on record several times and said how much I enjoy the kind of prog monkeys of the last two records especially birds and the bees is my favorite and head is is a close second so right. you know where i stand as far as my favorite monkey sound but i do really like the fact that we're kind of back to the the short two and a half minute to three minute pop songs and um, again I'll, I'll remind everybody that one of my favorite songs miss record the one that's tied for Uh, My favorite song, I Won't Be the Same Without Her, was on side one. So that means that the second one that's tied for it is on side two. And I'm hoping that you guys will be able to help me decide which one I think is the better song of the two. So let's go ahead and jump right in to track one on side two, You and I. i written by bill chadwick and david jones lead vocal by davy jones with backing vocals of course by davy jones uh, guitars by bill chadwick jerry mcgee louis Shelton, and neil young and we got bass drums and organ as well produced by davy jones himself so uh, recorded over several different dates through 1968 now really strong track in my mind i love the hook i love the powerful vocals by Davey on this track. So let's uh, let's go around the table, starting with Ghosty, your thoughts on and you and I.
4: You know, Davey has three modes with the monkeys. Mm. I, I'm generalizing here, but he's got, oh, I'm so in love with you and aren't you wonderful? He's got, <laughs> it's my music hall ditty, And then he's got his own genre, which I've decided to call Davy Jones sees through your crap. (laughs) (laughs) And this is a great example in the same way Star Collector is. I Mm. like a cynical Davy Jones who's just laying it out there. This song is about not being that hot anymore and Mm -hmm. sort of being put on the shelf. And Davy sings it with a kind of bitter world weariness that just makes this track. I mean, it is, it is a very dynamic track with, you know, there's all sorts of instruments and I don't know, is that some sort of a violin that's playing in the background or I don't know what that instrument Uh, is. Is it a horn?
2: I don't see any horns. This is an organ.
4: Maybe Uh, that's, maybe it's an organ part, but it's, yeah, it's a really strange sound on this, on this, uh, on this track. I love it. I, I, you know, and it's, and the bridge is really strong yeah, too. I, I think, I think it's for me, this is tied with, I won't be the same without her for my favorite cut on the record. Wow. Incredible. Jeff Garinger. your thoughts on you and I,
6: I think our little English boy has finally grown up. <laughs> 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 I think what, this is one of Davies, you know, um, showing that he's not just doing as Ghosty talked about the little English, Diddy. It's a full-blown rock tune. I mean, I'd love to know who's doing the fuzz guitar on it because it's just great. Mm. And Davey's vocals are rougher and harder than he's normally doing. Uh, I think this is a cool, killer track. Yeah, totally agree. Melinda, your thoughts? So
5: just like Ghosty, this is a tie for my favorite song on the album. I won't be saying without her. Yes. Absolutely, you can't get any better than this. Davey completely nails the vocal Neil Young on the guitar. Oh, my goodness. Um, the lyrics, so brutal and honest mm-hmm. and true to, I guess, what he was feeling at that time. And, you know, he didn't hold anything back at yeah. that point. It's like, here, this is what I'm feeling, you know, take it or leave it. And I love that. You know, yeah. he, had, he had some huge ones to put that out there on record, you know, under <laughs> the monkey's <Monkees-Ganniker. laughs> He had some huge ones. <laughs> And
7: we love him for it.
5: But, uh, but, oh my goodness, you know, definitely one of his top, uh, top records, you know, with writing credit and a production, you know, he blew me away. Fantastic yeah. production. You know, when I first listened to it, I thought that maybe the guitar kind of overshadowed his vocals at, at you know, different points. But now when I listen to it, I think they just complement each other. Yeah. It's a perfect song.
2: I agree. Yeah, I, the production is phenomenal. Great job by Davey on the production side of this really cool that he gets a production credit and uh, the excellence so let's see next up number two on side b while i cry
7: They told me what you'd do If I ever stayed with you They told me that you'd laugh While I cried. They told me what you'd say That you'd turn and walk away and find another place to play while I cried. Now I think back on those times I didn't read between the lines. How all the things that you said never seemed to match the things you did.
2: cry written and produced by michael nesmith with lead vocals and acoustic guitars by michael nesmith a simpler arrangement bass by rick day and drums by eddie ho and uh, recorded at rca victor studios in hollywood california january 14th 15th 1968 to me this is another winner by nez i I, i absolutely love the ending of this track uh jeff g your thoughts on while i cry
6: Oh, thanks for taking me first on this one. I, I have to tell you, this was one of my all-time favorite top five monkeys records. Wow. And I, I love it.
4: Wow. <laughs> because,
6: you know, we talked about how we grow up as monkeys fans. and And at the time I was 19, I'd heard the song a million times, never paid much attention to it. I was broken up by this woman. She took my heart and oh. threw it on the ground and jumped on it and smashed on it. And oh. then my My typical thing was i'd I'd go get a bag of chocolate chip cookies <laughs> and I'd, I'd put the monkeys on my you know eight track in my car. And the first time that I really listened to while I cry, I cried. it, mm. it just it was saying everything that was going through my brain and everything going through my head, and it's such such an emotional connection for this song. Um, in fact, when I met Mike the last time at the Davy Jones convention and he was posing for pictures, I said, God, someday please do While I Cry. And he just kind of smirked at me like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, just, I, I just love this song. It's it's just, it's one of the fondest memories I have, not, not of getting my heart stomped on, but just rediscovering these lyrics as I matured.
2: Wow, this is, this is great. We've got two guys on the show who both use this album as kind of a breakup crutch. Uh, awesome stuff. So <laughs> Melinda, your thoughts on While I Cry.
5: You know, as we discussed in, in on side one and in, in part one of this uh, this album discussion, this is not a happy album. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> this this is not a happy album. You're not going to get cheered up. I'm. It may keep you from going over the edge. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. But um, I, I wouldn't give it to anybody that I was suspect about. Uh, <laughs> it's just every song has some kind of downward spiral <laughs> tone to it. But while I cry. Uh, I... Nez's raw emotional vocal it it it's reminiscent of that 9 times blue that I was talked about before it's you know it gives you that that emotion that you just connect with him and he sings it with all his heart and then the arrangement I love the arrangement the harmony again that that gospel feel and the mono version there's um in the box set it included the UK mono mix which I actually went out and got the UK vinyl pressing, which is a true mono mix of this record. And the harmonies, they just float out of the speakers up to heaven. You know, it's just, it's absolutely amazing. I love this song. It's one of my top five mic songs.
2: Fantastic. Ghosty, your thoughts on While I Cry? Great song.
4: I've always liked it. I like the little Slim Whitman part that Mike does uh, towards the end uh, of this song, uh, slipping into the falsetto. I, when I heard, um, when I heard nine times blue, which has been referenced a bunch of times for some reason, while I cry sort of suffered by comparison, I just prefer hmm. nine times blue. And it seems a little strange, you know, cause that's not even on this album. It could have been on this album, yeah, but it's not It's not on this record. And for some reason, I always think of While I Cry as the not quite as good cousin of Nine Times Blue. But I enjoy it.
2: Yeah, you know, that's funny that you bring that up. I, I don't want to get too far off track on this album, but I have a, a really deep affinity for Nine Times Blue. So I can see where you're coming from uh, about this track. I do enjoy it as well, but uh, yeah, Nine Times Blue, if they'd have swapped that out and put uh, swapped this out for that it would have been incredible so let's see next up track number three teardrop city Drop City, uh, another Boyce and Hart tune, uh, lead vocals by Mickey Dolan's, backing vocals by Boyce and Hart, along with uh, Ron Hicklin. So we've got um, guitar, bass, drums, percussion, and produced by Boyce and Hart. And this is another one that was uh, recorded during the sessions for More of the Monkees and was sped up for this release. And uh, it was recorded in October of 1966. And So this one weighs in at sub two minutes. So a minute and 59 seconds. And, you know, I I will be, uh, I'll go out on a limb here and say this really isn't one of my favorite tracks on this album. I I don't know. I can't really put my finger on it, but I've never really been all that fond of it. Uh, Melinda, what are your thoughts on Teardrop City? I love Teardrop City. Oh, wow.
5: It rocks. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize. <laughs> I can't help but every time I hear this song, I, I think of their performance on Glen Campbell. You know, with with Davy, you know, miming the va- uh, the bass, and Mike pretending to slip off stage, and Mickey just being a complete nut for the camera. It's amazing. I, I love this song. It's it's bluesy. I would even say it's it's better than Train the Clarksville. I'm sorry. I, again, I'm going to hell for that, but I like it better than Last Train. You know, aside Whoa. from a, a, aside from Louis Shelton's guitar riff. <laughs> so. Wait,
6: you got to warn people to pull off the road if you're going to start <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Like <laughs> I,
5: so I don't see it as you know the illegitimate you know step cousin of, of Last Train. I I don't. I think it stands on its own. It's strong enough to stand on its own. I don't know why they necessarily sped up Mickey's voice, but you know it works for me. Hmm
2: ghosty do you want to rebut the any of that clarksville reference there
4: well i do think of it as a son of last train to clarksville but that doesn't make it a bad song Hmm. i think it's a it's a great song that chugs along really nice i mean it suffers in comparison to last train to clarksville because they're kind of similar but i do think that if I'm not mistaken, Teardrop City was issued first on the back of a cereal box as one of those yeah. cereal records, so you could have gotten it in 1966 or 67. It's funny, this album, based on all the songs we've talked about and Jeff G. and I and our mutual misery as we were listening to this album, you could have retitled this album Teardrop City, and mm. it would have, it would have worked because that's kind of what this is. <laughs> But, you know, Mickey's vocals are really strong, and it's certainly catchy. So I wouldn't... I, I don't know if this should have been the single, but I, you know, I think it's a its a great little number.
6: Hmm. Jeff G? Well, you know, for those of you that have the Blu-ray set, and thank you, Andrew Sandoval and John Hughes, and it's available now at monkeys.com at Rhino Records, you can see the monkeys perform this on the Glen Campbell Good Time Hour. Melinda kind of talked about it a bit but i have fond memories of watching Davey not even coming close to plucking right. that bass
4: <laughs> <laughs> he's just dancing and
6: smiling and he's having a good old time and he's just he's not even close he's not he's, even trying no. <laughs> no um the speed part bothers me because it's been going on for a long time you know if, if you were an elvis fan they took you know once he got to 65 66 67 yep. All those movie soundtracks, they sped them up to make them sound younger. <laughs> right. um, a lot of the Partridge families were, they sped up David Cassidy to make them younger. Yep. And I just, I hate that. Just hate it. Because mm. it's just like, you know, we have our handmade sets. The Elvis fans have, you know, box sets where they actually re release the singles of these things and the soundtracks without being sped up. And they sound so much better. just, you want to take Colonel Tom Parker and just slap him upside the head.
4: <laughs> yeah, like Girl Happy, as a perfect oh, example. Oh, big time. My God, he sped up so much on that.
6: It sounds terrible. But no, I I don't mind um, Teardrop City at all. It, it Although, for those people that are against this album, you can point to Teardrop City going, see? See what they did? They went back Ooh. to a two-year-old track that sounds like another track. Mm. They're just reaching, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's an interesting way to look at it, too, because I mean, there's we've said this before. I think we said this on the last one of these roundtables is the amount of stuff that was sitting in the vaults that was really, really good stuff. I really don't know how they picked over a lot of that gold that was in there. Uh, and, and pull right. out some of the stuff that they did I'm, and I, again i'm not saying that teardrop city is a bad song by any means just it just doesn't happen to be one of my favorites but so many great great songs that that just got completely glossed over in the vaults for the ones that they did pull out for this record
6: could just be a, a i'm just stabbing in the dark here but mm-hmm. who had the publishing true you know, right one of the things that had screen gems publishing and why true while something else might be a great song you know, yeah. maybe it would cost them more to release it than something that they already owned.
4: Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think it was uh, I think it was a lot of politics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. great point. But then,
5: to your point, uh, Ghosty, about why was this chosen as a single, though? I would have put, I won't be the same without her as a single. Oh, for sure.
4: I mean, my guess would be that, you know, head flopped, and the monkeys really hadn't been on the radio in... Now, uh, again, we have to think in 1960s terms, where if you're not on the radio for three months your career's over, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not like today. And I guess they felt teardrop city is the, is the song on here that sounded the most like what people would expect from the monkeys. So it's sort of announcing that they're back. The band, you know, and love is back. Eh, They're kind of missing a guy, but you know, they're back. And they they sound (laughs) just like they did. And look, they're not playing their instruments on Glenn Campbell. And And just here they are, you know?
6: Even though Mike Nexismith came out and said they're a fake band but Call us fake because that's what we are But here's our new album Right (laughs) (laughs) Alright, let's see So the next up, uh, track number
2: four uh, The Girl I Left Behind Me
1: You told me not to try and tie you down So I just took my place and hung around always said that you must be free well you couldn't see you were losing me and messing up the one good thing we had i'm going out the same Turn around and see The girl I left behind me I told myself that things would be okay You'd come around to my way any day As time went on You just stayed the same No, you, you couldn't change Or be real I'm picking up the pieces
8: of my life. I'm going out the same way I came in. The game is over now. I couldn't win.
2: The Girl I Left Behind Me, and this is written by Carol Bayer-Sager and Neil Sedaka lead vocal by Davy Jones. We've got a whole bunch of things going on here. We've got guitars, bass, drums, keyboards, violins, and cellos uh, produced by the same people who wrote it and recorded in February of 1968. So this is one of those songs where uh, it's kind of hard to put. I really, I love the chorus. I love the hook on this song, but I'm not as fond of yep. the verses that go yep. along with it. Oh, I hear ghosty chiming in. I'll throw it right to you then ghosty. All
4: right. Well, in interviews around this time, the, you know, interviewers were asking the monkeys what they thought, uh, you know, the next thing in music was going to be. And Mike was saying country rock. And I don't know what Mickey was saying, but, uh, <laughs> Davey was saying Broadway rock is the next thing. You listen to those press conferences they gave in Australia, that Monkey's Talk Down Under CD. He talks about that a lot. And, you know, in, in a way he was right, because we got Jesus Christ Superstar and Godspell and things like that. So he was kind of ahead of his time there. And this song strikes me as an example of what maybe Davey was going for. I agree with you. The verse to this is very problematic, because when I first heard it, you tell me not to da, da. and i'm like oh yeah. my god this yeah. is this is terrible and then when it gets to you know i'm going out the same way i came in awesome i'm like oh now we're here we are we're on stage it's the yeah. it's the man leaving his town he's going i can see the the scenery and the curtain exactly. going up so it's sort of like a hobbled song you know it's mm-hmm. got a great chorus but the verse is just it's only like they wrote it in 10 minutes you know yeah. it, mm-hmm. Something about it just doesn't sit right. But I like the chorus. But, yeah, it's sort of a a mediocre track, unfinished. Take it back to the drawing board and try again.
6: (laughs) Jeff G., your thoughts? Well, I kind of like the song. Um, I have to tell (laughs) you, I like like Neil Sedaka's work. I love When Love Comes Knocking at My Door. I've always thought it was a fun tune. Carol Bayer-Sager, you know, she's just an amazing lyricist. I don't know if this is the best work they've ever done. But I think it goes through, we had talked in the previous episode on this LP, that it's kind of the the birth of the grown up Davy Jones. And I, I, I like this tune. I, I, I was going around singing it, having a good time as a kid, and I, I still enjoy it now. Hmm. Melinda?
5: I prefer the version that's on the Bees, and Monkeys box set. It's a little bit faster, is not as depressing. Hmm. Um so <laughs> that that's always a plus. <laughs> Davy, his vocals are great, but I'm I'm just not a fan of Sadaka's work with him. I'm I'm not. Mm-hmm. I don't really care for When Love Comes Knocking at My Door. I, I don't really care for it. I think that they could have taken this in a you know in the direction of the choruses. Like you said, that's where it kind of picks up steam and you know right. gets life to it. Mm-hmm. The Birds version is is faster. It's a little bit more lively. So if you're going to listen to it, I would point to that one. Mm-hmm.
1: You told me not to try and tie you down So I just took my place and hung around You always said that you must be free Well, you couldn't see you were losing me
8: And messing up the one good thing we have And now I'm going out the same way I came
1: told myself that things would be okay Come around to my way any day As time went on, you just stayed the same No, you couldn't change or
8: be rearranged
1: Just stayed the same No, you, you couldn't
8: change I'll be rearranged I'm picking up the pieces of
5: The album version here on Instant Replay, hmm, it doesn't do it for me.
2: Hmm, interesting.
5: It's also interesting that this is the track that was left off the the record store day
2: <laughs> ten album box set. This was the track that was left off of there. Wow, good good point. I didn't realize that this was the song that was left off. Awesome. All right, so moving along. Track number five is "A Man Without a Dream."
1: is out of tune And I feel like I'm growing old Much too soon My love for you I just couldn't convey And the keys to my happiness I let
8: slip away
1: And my
2: a Dream. This is another and King tune, lead vocal by Davy Jones, backing vocals by Davy Jones and Don Adrisi, along with some guitars, uh, bass drums, tambourine, piano, trumpet, French horn, and trombone. Uh, the song was originally uh, meant for Pisces, but didn't wind up making it there, and was again recorded in uh, November 68 back then, and now we recorded uh, in January of 69 in Hollywood, California. So this is, uh, we finally made it. This is the song that is also in contention for my favorite song on the record along with, um, I won't be the same without her. I love the lyrics to this track. I think Davey does an incredible job. Uh, the vocals, the arrangement is amazing. I love the horns, the percussion, Great chorus! I, I I can't say enough great stuff about this track. It really stood out to me the first time I listened to this album, and it has stood out to me every time
6: since then. So, let's kick it off with Jeff Geringer. Boy, I'm right with you, Jeff. I I just I think this is just a great tune, you know. And 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 had touched on that. He Davy talks about Broadway rock all the time. I can just imagine Anthony Newley, you know, coming down to the footlights yeah. and singing this song as a as an opus. <laughs> Yep. i mean it's it's a really cool song it's it it almost doesn't belong on a monkeys album you know yep. it's mm-hmm. it's got a, a different vibe to it than what's been going on you know you look at you and i and then you look at this and you go well same album what you know so but i it's just i love the tune nice nice choice jeff
2: oh thank you melinda your thoughts on man without a dream i love it also
5: it's it's you know, it's the future of Davy Jones. What should have been yeah. the future of Davy Jones's career? Yeah. Um. He he definitely gelled with Bones Howe, producer. Um. Between this and someday man, this should have been the start, <laughs> a monstrous solo career. You know, he he definitely you know owns the Broadway rock, but then you have you know the R feel to these songs and. You know, it's it just made for him, you know, aside from the daddy song and other songs that, you know, were, you know, uh, predestined to be sung by him. But, you know, this is later, you know, it's after the More Than Monkeys, you know, stage. It's the grown up Davy. Uh, like uh, like Jeff just said, it's you and I. It's this someday man. This should have been the start of something bigger and better for him.
2: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Ghosty, what are your
4: feelings on a man without a dream? Well, like the other tracks on this album, not all of them, but this is like a little bit of a Davy Jones showing the world what he can do uh, mm-hmm. on this record. And I agree. I mean, a man without a dream. I've always loved it. Now, this is your here's another Broadway rock song. And following the girl I left behind me, it's a one-two punch, and this is the better of the two. And uh, you know what? What can you say? Yeah, I, I, Davy Jones on stage singing this. And I, I could have seen him go in that direction to be a, sort of a hipper Anthony Newley. It could have happened, you know, but uh, it wasn't to be. However, uh, we have these these great songs. And uh, strangely, this was chosen as a B-side to Teardrop City.
5: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Go mm-hmm.
5: figure.
4: And this is com- certainly compared to Teardrop City, which I already said I liked. But I mean, I think A Man Without a Dream is a stronger cut.
2: Oh, big time! Far and away, in my opinion.
4: And it and it, yeah. And for the for the time period, it has a more contemporary sound, you know, yes. with the horns and I think it w- maybe would have stood a better chance. And Davy has maybe a more recognizable voice. I don't know. I this to me could have been an A side.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Jeff G and, and Melinda, do you think this could have been the A side?
6: Oh, absolutely. Uh you know, I know just because of the way radio was in '68. Mm. For every thing like this, it, maybe 66, but not 68. Because I think the, the last one was Something Stupid with Frank and Nancy. And that was early 68. And then it, they, they just didn't show up, stuff like this. It wasn't on the radio. So, Ghosty, do you agree?
4: I don't know. I mean, I think they're maybe more middle-of-the-road artists uh, at that time. I mean, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. And, I, you know, what's coming to mind is uh, MacArthur Park. Which is, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to hear a man without a dream stretched out to eight minutes. But someday, man, which maybe we'll talk about at the end of that. Like, you know, why isn't this? Why isn't someday, man, on this record? You would have had the the Broadway rock trifecta. Big time, Mm -hmm, you you know. And maybe speaking to Jeff G's point, someday, man was not a hit. If any song in the Monkees catalog deserved to be a hit, it's uh, someday, man.
6: Yeah, I agree with that too.
4: I mean, it's fantastic.
6: Have you ever heard Paul Williams do it? No. No,
4: I've never heard him do it, and I know it's on one of his albums,
6: too. Yeah, it's really nice, very tasteful. Yeah, I want to look that up.
2: Maybe uh maybe Ken Mills can insert that for us. are at the end of the second side of instant replay and we are going to close this with track six shorty blackwell
7: change the mood I'm feeling very bad today
2: Shorty Blackwell, written by Mickey Dolans. Lead Yay. and backing vocals by Mickey and Coco Dolans. <laughs> you got a lot of stuff going on on this track, by the way. You got electric 12 string guitar by Tommy Tedesco. You got bass, drums, mallet, and timpani. Pianos by Mickey Dolans, plays piano on this. Uh, violin, cellos, trumpet, French horn, trombones, flute, and something else. And this is also produced by Mickey Dolans and recorded over many different sessions ending in june of 1968 so guys i'm gonna tell you right i'm gonna take the heat for all of you and i'm gonna go out right out and say that i am absolutely not a fan of this track i know this is a very polarizing song i've gotten into many a heated debate over shorty blackwell uh, over my years of being a monkeys fan but you know i, I get what mickey was going for here it just doesn't make it for me and it it i skip it every time i listen to this record now i just can't get into it and uh so i'll be the villain here and and i'll take the heat so you guys can all gush about this song starting with melinda
5: no oh. <laughs> <laughs> i'm already gonna get hate mail for the you know the, the comment about Clarksville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
6: i can almost guarantee that
5: one
4: oh. <laughs> i i may send you some <laughs> nice
5: <laughs> don't hate it guys i just remember i became a monkey's music
6: fan as a grown-ass woman so
5: yeah. you know I, I i like teardrop city <laughs> a bit yeah of
6: but you should have read the stuff i got after i pummeled on valerie <gasps> oh
2: <gasps> believe me it, it it can't compare to the the hate mail i got when i bashed sunny girlfriend
4: You bashed Sonny Girlfriend? That was me. Oh, yeah.
2: That was was the pinnacle of my villacy on on Zilch. My God, I still get people yelling at me to this day.
4: I'll have to go back and listen to that episode.
2: Oh, please don't. (laughs) Please don't. Strike that from the record, Ken Mills.
4: (laughs) One of
5: the best opening lines of any monkey's record. I'm sorry. Shorty Blackwell? No, it's not a girlfriend. Oh, oh, well, well, oh get back to my
2: topic. Stop dodging <laughs> your you opinions, Shorty Blackwell. Shorty Blackwell. Let's go. All right, Melinda, come on. Not enough dodging. Okay, okay. Obviously, yeah, I was dodging.
5: <laughs> I can't stand this record. <laughs> I can't. it physically does something to me that I don't like, when I try to listen to it, I, I can't. I, I can't. It's so annoying. It's. I can't. It's.
6: That's it. If you knew it was it was about his cat, does that help you at
5: all? That is what inspired me to, to just suck it up and try my best to get through the entire five plus minutes. And I'm just like, well, oh, I can't do it. I love Mickey. I love Coco. And I too. love cats. But I,
2: I don't, don't love this. <laughs> oh, God. Ghosty, can you turn this train wreck around?
4: No. No, I can't. <laughs> Okay, here's what I can say about Shorty Blackwell. For an album where nearly every song is about my heart's getting broken, I won't be the same without her, me without you, don't wait for me, while I cry, the girl I left behind me, it's only fitting you wind up alone with your cat (coughs) at the end of the album. Amazing. That makes sense, I suppose. I will say this for Mickey. I said in our previous discussion, Mickey's a weirdo, and <laughs> I mean it. As a songwriter, he is genuinely weird. There are a lot of people out there who make music where they, uh, you know, their their songwriting is somewhat uh, a little dishonest. Like they're purposely going out of their way to be strange and to be, you know, obtuse and maybe confrontational and. I don't think Mickey does that. I think this is genuinely coming from Mickey Hmm. like left to his own devices. He's going to write lots of shorty
9: blackwells.
4: (laughs) I will say that portions of this that are kind of jazzy are a little enjoyable, but for the most part, I find this excruciating at five minutes and 46 seconds. That's two excellent monkey songs we've could have had on this record. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right, and we know that there are a bunch in the vault, and they knew two, two we could have had. Instead, we get Shorty Blackwell. I love Mickey, I do, but this is so self indulgent, and I, it's you know here, the only positive thing I can say about Shorty Blackwell is if I was at some sort of garden party. and they were playing a lot of music that I just could not relate to. If they were playing a lot of Justin Bieber and and things like that, and all of a sudden, after an hour, somebody played Shorty Blackwell, I would stand up with my beer and go, yeah! Damn right. <laughs> Damn right, Shorty Blackwell. That's really the only context I can imagine myself enjoying this song. Oh, so God. there you go. Well,
2: a- any, after being waterboarded with Justin Bieber, anybody would like Shorty Blackwell. <laughs> yes. uh, Jeff Gerringer, your thoughts
6: on Shorty Blackwell. Can you turn this around? You know what's funny is that, you know, Mickey Dolenz has probably never took the time to listen to a, a zilch podcast, and someone's <laughs> going to give him this one. Yeah. We, we call him a weirdo and <laughs> say his song sucks. <laughs> we love you, Mickey. We do yes, love we you, Mickey. Do. Yes, we do. But yes, the word self-indulgent mean a lot here. Now, I, I'm going to address this to, to Ghosty, and I, I don't mean to, to phase anybody out, but Ghost, did you remember like maybe at home you got your first like multi-track recorder? You went to your a radio station and they had a multi-track and you could experiment around with sounds and reverb.
4: Exactly. <laughs> this is like when someone gets a camera for the first time, doesn't yep. know what they're doing, it and is. They suddenly decide they're Fellini. Yes.
6: <laughs> Low angle zooms and pans. Yeah, if I do this sound, ooh, it'll sound good. Oh, it'll sound better with an echo. Oh, no, right. wait. It'd sound better if I double it ten times. Oh wait. And that that's exactly <laughs> what it sounds like. It's just like God, he's just playing around with the Fort or 8-track, I guess I had then. It's just like, get a life on this cut, please. <laughs> but no, in case anyone was wondering, no, I, I think it sucks pretty bad. <laughs> wow, it's <that's laughs> universal.
4: And, and you, brought a, you brought a Shatner reference into that, too, which is great.
2: Nice. Well, hey, you know, you got get to. Get a life, yeah. You got to. Um, you know, well, we had a Shatner reference on one of our prior uh, round tables too, so it's only fitting that Star Trek finds its way into every episode somehow.
4: And technically with your podcast, Tricorder Transmissions available on (laughs) iTunes, Jeff H., uh, you, you are a continual Shatner reference on this podcast. There you go.
2: Oh, that I am. Well, I don't do a really good Shatner impression, but, um, Thank you guys for plugging my show for me every time we do these podcasts. Uh, but, you know, that that unfortunately doesn't make up for the fact that this is uh, Shorty Blackwell now is a four for four universally panned. And I'm sure we're going to get some flack over this because I, uh, I'm just thinking back on all of the arguments I've had over the song over the years and how heated some of them got. So I'm sure we're going to get some feedback on this. But, you know, again, we, we love Mickey. We all love Mickey. and We love uh, Mickey. Yeah, you know, We really we love do. Mickey. love we you, really Mickey. Love you, Mickey. We do. So great way to round this out. And we can also close on positive notes because we're going to do our final thoughts on Instant Replay as a whole here and especially the second side. So let's start off with Ghosty, your final word on Instant Replay.
4: If this was an album you went out of your way to avoid because Mm -hmm. you had read online that something about this record just wasn't right, Peter's not there, there's no inspiration, it's leftover songs, there's a lot going on, as we've discussed with this record. We've we've also, in the course of this conversation, realized that this is like a a monkey's version of a of a really depressing Morrissey album. Um, I love Morrissey. We got to talk Morrissey one day. (laughs) Or Nick Drake for maybe older listeners. But yeah, I I think there's a lot to love here. I think the problems start on the next two releases, which, which have their good points as well. But I think there are more highs than lows, certainly on this record. And if you're a Davy Jones fan, if he's like your main guy, you are really missing out by not picking up instant Replay.
2: Totally agree. Davy shines on this album. There's some great Mickey moments, great Mike moments, but Davey definitely shines. Let's see. Next, Jeff Geringer, your final word on Instant Replay.
6: Be friends with me. Oh, God. Be friends with oh. me. Didn't we just get through this? <laughs> Man, it is. It it can be a fun album. I, while I Cry, if you haven't listened to it in a while, pull it out. It, it's one of my all-time, all-time favorite monkey tunes. And just let Shorty Brackwell skip along. That's the That's the gift of an iPad. It's the gift of a CD player. You can just push one little button and boop, Shorty Blackwell's gone. Don't have to lift the needle anymore. Nope, nope. Don't have to sit there. Don't have to get up. (laughs) Oh, man. So, uh, Melinda, you get the
2: final word on instant replay. Don't sleep on instant replay. Nice.
5: Go get it if you don't. Got it.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Everybody listening to this should have it, right? I mean, you would think. I would think so. If you're going to go through the trouble of downloading a, a podcast exclusively about the monkeys, uh, one would hope that you, you would have uh, at least all of their studio albums. Of course. Yeah.
5: So in other words, for shame if you don't.
2: <laughs> for shame. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
5: And for by shame. the
4: way, uh, uh, just not for nothing, but somewhere on, on the internet, uh, Ken Mills and I reviewed this album several years ago. And it's uh, somewhere on my uh, YouTube channel. And I'm sure I said probably different things about the album. And I might have loved Shorty Blackwell back back, uh, three or four years ago. I don't think so, though. But somewhere on there, if you dig around on YouTube, you should be able to find it.
2: Yeah, maybe Ken can put a link to that in the show notes uh, for this episode when it comes out. Well, we've reached the end of yet another monkeys Roundtable musical episode and that closes out instant replay and we'll be back of course as you would expect with the same crew to do the monkeys present sometime in the near future so before we sign off ghosty where can people find you if they're looking for you
4: they won't find me in a monkeys present conversation that's for sure no i'm kidding <laughs> on uh, facebook david ghosty wills
2: all right and uh, jeff garringer where can
6: people find you well, if people like my comments on Shorty Blackwell, I'm on Facebook. If you didn't enjoy them, my name is Fred Velez, and you can find me there as well. <laughs> oh my God, uh, Melinda, where can people
2: find you if they're looking for you?
5: I'm like Jeff. I don't know <laughs> if I want to let people know where they can find me. I think I might go and change my profile picture. <laughs> but I'm on Facebook, guys, if you love it. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well, you know what? I'll I'll take it on the chin. I'm on Facebook and I'm also on Twitter at J underscore B-E-N-J. If you want to fire back at me for my incendiary comments on Shorty Blackwell, feel free. I can take it Uh, after the pummeling I took for my Sunny Girlfriend commentary. I'm I'm laying beaten on the ground and you can't hurt me anymore. So feel free to throw it at me and uh, we'll see you again. On our next musical roundtable, thanks as always for tuning in. We'd love to hear back from you guys if you want to follow up with us on the Zilch Group on Facebook. We'd love to talk to you about your thoughts on Instant Replay.
6: Do we really want to say that this time? I think we do. Okay. We're
2: grown people. <laughs> yeah, we can stand behind our opinions. cuz right, we'll you, are, behind our opinions. <laughs> there,
4: are, there are
6: some people that think everything the monkeys did is gold. And, and I not Like our, our little spin here.
4: Well, I'll tell you what, Zilch Nation, bring it. Oh, whoa. (laughs) Bring
2: it. Uh Uh-oh, we're getting antagonistic now. I think it's time to (laughs) sign off. All right, Zilch Nation, we love you. And we love you, Mickey Dolans.
4: Yes, we do. No
2: hard feelings. We'll see you guys next time. Just don't write
4: another song about your (laughs) cat.
2: We'll see you next time on the Zilch Roundtable.
4: All right, we're out.
10: Jones Organic Tea is a line of premium organic loose-leaf teas officially licensed by the David T. Jones Royalty Trust. As he grew up in post-war Britain, David and his family gathered around the teapot daily, spending time with each other, celebrating victories, drying tears and calming fears. And wherever life took him, from his family home in Manchester to stables full of thoroughbreds, or the stage and screen, David always held his native English culture and his family's traditions close to his heart. When he moved to America in the early 1960s, David carried on the tradition of his homeland and his family. Upon arriving in New York, one of the first things he did was to locate two English grocers, one in Manhattan and one in Greenwich Village, who could provide him with the proper English tea he needed. As he raised a family of his own, David continued the traditions of his upbringing. Sharing tea with his four daughters became an inherent family value that they all still honour. Taking time to enjoy a cup of tea with loved ones was his way of connecting and nurturing, a consistent, calm oasis in a busy life. To David, taking tea meant taking time. Time for himself, time for his friends, and most of all, time for family. Tea is so much more than just what's in your cup. It's all about slowing down and taking time for family, friendship, community, and ourselves. Please join our friends and family list at jonesorganictea.com and we'll let you know when the shop is open for business.
0: A wonderful discussion on Instant Replay side two, but honestly, I don't know what to say. I'm kind of in the other camp. Uh, I can't believe that... It was four votes down on Shorty Blackwell. That's absurd. What do you think about it, Mickey? Well, thanks to sucker fans like you, my show is
6: done. And it's perfect. And it's going to be a smash hit. And none of you are going to get a
7: fucking penny. I win.
0: I always win. I'm Mickey fucking Dolans. You're damn right you are, Mickey. You are Mickey Dolans. I honestly think I'm going to have to record a rebuttal episode on Shorty Blackwell alone. Who knows, but uh, we will see. I know that on the next episode of Zilch, Sarah Clark and Christine Carlson-Wolf will be back to talk about the Peter Torque Memorial that happened last week. It was such a beautiful event, and they'll be telling their story and talking about the fantastic day that everybody had out there. And speaking of Christine carlson Wolf, she's my insurance agent. She should be yours, too. Check it out.
3: Hi, everyone. Christine Wolf here. You might know me as a podcast host or announcer or by my formal title, Christine the Button Queen. But I have a secret identity. I'm an independent insurance agent. That's right. It's nonstop excitement in my world. And protecting people's most important business and personal assets is a big part of it. With clients from coast to coast, it doesn't matter whether you're in Clarksville, Rockford, Gotham City, or a galaxy far, far away. I can help you. Give me a call for your free quote. If you're a business owner or decision maker, let's talk about an insurance portfolio custom fit for your needs. And on the personal side, whether you own your home or rent, have a driving record that's squeaky clean or not quite the best, I've got you covered. Oh. And about those monkeys collectibles you have, yep, I can make sure those are protected too. I've put together a team with decades of experience of risk management and analysis, and my relationships with dozens of insurance companies means that I can put together an insurance program tailor-made for you. So give me a call today at 314-657-2995. That's 314-657-2995. Or email me, at Wolf at cjthomas.com or you can even pm me on facebook i'd love to hear from you and get the chance to run some free quotes for you and earn your business
0: this is a real deal folks she's more than just a podcaster and a button queen so give her a call she will get you the best deal possible so we'll see you all on the next episode of zilch To close out this episode of Zilch, it's our good friend Surprise Stag Party with their version of For Pete's Sake. See you on the next episode. Take time to monkey around and be good to one another. Bye. Well, I can see now you can't send a boy to do a man's bodge. Uh, job. (laughs) Man.
9: (laughs) (laughs) Don't you know?
2: is an online non-profit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners we are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present we are not affiliated with rhino or ray if you hear anything you like from the band
10: go on amazon or itunes and buy it if you enjoyed the show like us on facebook and rate us on itunes thank you for listening until next time i'm your announcer chelsea epstein saying always
4: take some time to monkey around